This weekend marks the, uh, the final uh, conclusion or the conclusion of the Beautiful Life series. God has been at work. It's been phenomenal to, to sit back and listen to what God is saying and, and through people. And as God shares, yeah, people are sharing their stories and, and telling us what's going on. It's, it's, it's just wonderful to watch the, the fact that God has started a new work in our midst. In Philippians 1.6, it says, Paul writes there saying, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What has God begun in this six-week series? That's one of our questions this morning. The second question I want to ask is, what and how is he going to bring this to completion in our lives? And to, to address the first question of what God has begun, I want to show you a little video of what uh, little testimonies of what God has been doing in our midst. Here we are about to start week six, and we just want to ask a few people what God has been doing in their lives over the last few weeks. So what has God done in your life during this Beautiful Life series? Beautiful Life has changed my life and my small group's life. Uh, I would say it made me look at my own life and my family's life and my kids' life and say, you know, we're very busy, but why are we busy? Definitely trying to simplify my life. I mean, that's, that's my whole goal. I've been so busy in the last two years, I guess. You know, I think for my wife and I, we talk more, which is really important. You know, when you don't talk about, about Christ when you're supposed to be Christ-like people and you don't talk about it, you're going to think, well, okay, are we really Christ-like? But this has given us that opportunity that we can talk about these things daily. But it put a focus on him always being in the center, like in the center of the room, always in the center of my life. The biggest thing for me was taking time out and sitting in silence and just waiting for God to speak to you. I've totally looked at my life and how I spend my time and really been seeking the Lord and trying to spend as much time with Him as possible to eliminate the chaos in my life. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are His handiwork. He has shaped us. He has made us. He has designed us. We are beautiful because He has made us beautiful. I feel like a real person, <laughs> kind of like like Pinocchio felt, <laughs> felt real after he was loved. It's just that kind of love that you feel in a group is, is something that can't really be replaced in any other area of fellowship for me. I, I can't put into words. It's just I have a peace. I know what I'm supposed to do now. I need my head to tell my heart to, to do action. I need to get out there and do what God's been talking to me about. I, don't, I hate to say cut out relationships because certainly 
love and want close relationships, but maybe there was um, too much energy put in the wrong places? I'm actually throwing things away that um, I really was hanging on to because I thought it was sentimental or I needed to have it in my life for whatever reason, but now I'm actually cleaning out my house and getting rid of things. I'm um, trying very hard to uh, get the clutter out of my mind also. Um, that might take a little longer, but I'm working on that. I think it was a brilliant idea to have the folks uh, that were local and just draw them in from a near neighborhood rather than having people coming from miles away. I'm not a, I'm not a group person per se. I've never been really comfortable in groups. Um, I like to be alone. I'm a kind of a lone ranger type. But I'm beginning to sense a need for me to be in a small group as well for myself as for others that I can share burdens. A lot of the people in my small group live very close to me and I never knew them before this experience. And I think it's been a plus for our group because we've been meeting together as a group for a couple of years. Um, we know each other well enough to say, you know, this is a group of people that I want in my refrigerator. It's made me look at my relationships and think, okay, who are the ones I'm really in relationship with and who are the ones that are not, like your sermon said, on the front porch or even on another state. I want them there. <laughs> The American dream is a big lie. It's something that robs the beautiful life of the beauty. That's what life is sometimes, walking through manure looking for beauty. I've been trying to combine more of my volunteer experiences with my small group and trying to look at how I can make my social circles come together a little bit more. Well, it has definitely reminded me every week how, how I want to be a better person. It reminds me of the person I want to be. I've added some significant family time, and we're looking at make, being more intentional about that. In fact, even having a family worship night. It's gotten my wife and I talking so much. We do the devotions together, and I'm amazed at myself at just how, how differently we see life and how we read the devotion and say, well, this is where I'm at. And, to find out from your spouse, well, they're at a completely different page. No, no, what? Oh no! God has been at work. God has been at work over the last six weeks. He has shown us that beauty is a possibility. Amen. That our lives can be beautiful. That we can put on display the kingdom of, this, of the God in the midst of this world. It's one thing to talk about the kingdom of God. It's one thing to understand the kingdom of God and what Jesus meant or different things of that nature. It's another thing for your life and my life to be put on display as a manifestation of the kingdom. 
And that's what God wants for you. He doesn't want us just walking into some kind of knowledge of what the Bible says. He wants you and I to be a manifestation of God's kingdom. To be a manifestation of the way life, as he designed it, was meant to be. In this six weeks, we have identified aspects of life that steal from this beauty. Aspects like relational thinness. A lot of us walk around with lots of people in our lives, but we wouldn't have any group of people that we would call close. In the movie, we, uh, the uh, clip we just saw, we t- t- saw a couple people talking about refrigerator and den relationships. And you might think, well, why would I want people in my refrigerator? Well, those are those two or three people that are close to you. And you might have some people in your den or your den relationships of about 10 people who are a little bit uh, not quite in your refrigerator, or, uh, but people that know you and support you and you know them. But most of the time, our relationships are full of people or we have lots, our lives are full of people that don't live in our den, but live on the front porch or even in our front yard. And we're so, we have what some people call uh, crowded loneliness where we have lots of people in our lives and it's very lonely in the midst of that. We feel very alone. And we've identified that and said, that's not necessarily something that's good. It's something that steals from our beauty. We've also identified the fact that many of us live a, a pace of life that is unsustainable. We're so going in so many different directions and, and trying to keep up and, and wondering how in the world we can keep up. We see these things and we've identified this, these things that steal from our beauty and we go, I'm dissatisfied with that. I want something different. I had one person come up to me and said, you know what? I was enjoying my life until we started this. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'm like, well, that's what God is. It was what God has to create a sense within us of dissatisfaction with what we got so that we will ask him for something else. And he has been stirring up a lot of people in our midst saying, no more am I going to be settling for the status quo. No more am I going to be settling for the patterns of this world. I am going to pursue God's beauty no matter what the cost. That's what God has begun in our midst, and it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. I had a, a, a lady come up to me and said, after one service, and said, you know what, in, in tears, saying, I don't have anybody in my kitchen. I don't have any people in my refrigerator or in my den as far as that goes. And this couple is very godly people, very nice people. And I'm, I'm flabbergasted about that, that confession. They're saying, I don't want to live this way anymore. They're hungering for beauty, hungering for a different way to live. The question then becomes not just what has God begun, but how is he going to complete this work What is next? What's next in the midst of God's working in our lives and working in our church? It says again, I want to refer to Philippians 1, 6, He who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What's next? It's God's completion with the emphasis on God. Is this God's work in our midst? This is God's activity. Is this God's action in in our midst? We cannot unravel the American culture in six weeks. It's been too ingrained into our lives. We have taken it on as if it were true and as if the American dream was really something we should be pursuing. 
Because what are the alternatives? And we, we pursued this and pursued this and pursued this. And now that we're becoming dissatisfied with this, and we realize, well, I'm just getting started. And God is saying, I've started this new work in you, and I'm going to bring it to completion. I'm going to do this work in you. This is not something where you have to sit down and make it happen. This is not something where you've got to say, okay, I'm not going to live under stress. I'm not going to live under stress. I'm not going to live under... You know, the more and more stress comes on you as you determine that you're not going to live under stress. And the whole problem is, is if we try and determine that we're going to live that way, and God's saying, well, that's the whole problem. You've tried to determine to live that way. This is God's action of completion. This is God's work of completion. And as we go forward from this Beautiful Life series, I want to ask three questions with you. Three questions that will help you understand how God works his completion. The first question is, how does completion occur? The second is, what are your plans for completion with the emphasis on your plans? And the third is, what do we do with our plans? Question number one, how does completion occur? We're going to turn to Proverbs 16, verses 1 to 3 and verse 9 to look at this. It says here, To human beings belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. People may think all their ways are pure, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In their hearts, human beings plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. These four verses and the other verses around these, these four display a pattern or a rhythm. It's a two-step rhythm whereby a human being here, the language says human beings offer their plans or their thoughts or their actions and the Lord responds to that action. It's a one-two punch. And there's a, a, you see a relationality here between the human being and God. And the plan is offered and God takes that and makes it happen. Specifically, if you look at verse 9, it says, In their hearts, human beings plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This is talking about heart plans, not wishes or trivial desires or what you woke up this morning thinking you were going to do with the rest of the day. You might have woken up and said, called someone and said, we're going to have dinner after church. Let's go to Chili's or let's go here. That's a plan. Yeah, that's, that's true. But it's not a heart plan. Nor is it pulling out your day timer and, and making a schedule for the week. That's a plan, but it's not a heart plan. Nor is this some kind of strategic plan that you might do at work where you map it out on the wall and you put it in some kind of program to map out what you're going to do over the next six weeks. That's a plan, but it's not a heart plan. A heart plan is, it represents those things, those inner yearnings that lie deep within you, that cry out from the pit of your gut, calling you to be a, and live a certain kind of way. Each of us has them. We don't often listen to these yearnings. We don't often uh, hear these longings many times because our lives are so full of other plans, but there are things within your heart, things that lie deep within you 
that cry out and say, listen to me. God made you this way. And as you listen to these plans, these heart plans, God and you let those come out, God respond, responds to these. As we listen to those heart plans and then we say, I want to be this kind of person or I want to do this way. I want to live this way. God then gets in the midst of that. And it's as if this script, these four verses are saying to us, God is waiting on you and I to listen to our hearts. Listen to what God is doing down in our pit. In the midst of the in the midst of our yearnings from within us. When I was in my early 20s, I was uh, working as an editor for a Christian publishing company, and I realized that I wanted to go back to school. I know that's kind of weird, but I did. So, I, but I, I didn't want to just go to any school. I could have gone to a school in Texas or something, but I wanted to go to this school in Canada. You might think, well, that's cold up there. And I was in Vancouver, so it's not really that cold in Vancouver, British Columbia. And so I set out these plans as to how this would happen. But it didn't happen as quickly as I wanted it to. And I waited upon the Lord. And, I, and all of a sudden, when it became time, it just happened. Boom. And I remember driving in by myself in my, I mean, all I had, all I owned was in my 1986 Honda Accord. And most of it was books. Uh, I didn't really care about clothes at that time. Uh, and I pulled in to Vancouver and I saw the mountains and I was like, what's a farm boy from Texas doing here? And I just wept. I'm like, God, you have granted me this gift. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of love. We set our plans, we put our plans and our desires, those heart desires on the table, and God takes those and he offers us a gift in response. It's up to us to listen to our heart desires because that's how he works completion in us. Is He wants us to dig up those things within us, whether it be you looking at your job and saying, hey, I really want to do a job I enjoy, and offering that. Or it might be, you know, I want to spend more time with my family. Or it might be, I really long for reconciliation with my father. These are all things you can't do. I can't make those things happen. That's what God wants to get us to the point of saying, hey, this is my desire, God. I don't want to live with status quo anymore. I don't want to live with my Irish temper but I can't do anything about it, God. I was in Boise, Idaho this week. You might say, why in the world did you go to Boise? Uh, it, was a, it was actually quite beautiful in Boise, Idaho. And it's, there's more to it than potatoes. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I was with this man who was sharing a story with me of this lady who's been in ministry for years. And she and her husband have been in, in uh, church leadership positions across the country and, and, and she was working with these junior high kids as a part of a community center. And this was part of her, her ministry. And, and she, she made this, these plans and set out a course of action because it was a desire of her heart to, to teach these kids how to cook. Now, you have to understand who these kids are. Junior high kids who don't go to church. 
wouldn't dare set a foot in a church. And she said, I'm going to hold this cooking class on a Saturday morning, and whoever wants to come can come. She set out plans as to what they were going to, she was going to cook and help them cook and, teach them, and how to teach them to cook. Saturday morning came, and lo and behold, nine junior high boys showed up. <laughs> A little surprising. She didn't know who would show, but this is what showed up. And not only nine junior high boys, but nine junior high boys who wouldn't sit at the same table at their, their junior high school. Nine junior high boys, for instance, that might come, to a couple of them from the Latino community, a couple of others from the preppy community, a couple of people, uh, kids that would be classified as nerds. Boys that would never sit at the same table were there together learning how to cook. And she showed them how to cook, and they cooked this meal together, and they drank a smoothie that they made. Probably never have had a smoothie in their lives because these are kids that went home to empty homes and, or broken families and such. A lot of bitterness and a lot of words that you, were used by these kids that aren't used most of the time in churches. And she said, not only are we going to drink this smoothie together, we're going to sit down at this table around nice china, and I'm going to teach you how to eat a good meal. And, and my friend who walked, uh, told me this story, he said he walked into the room and he said he caught a glimpse of heaven. Because in heaven, you see, we're going to be sitting with people who are different than we are. And here were these rough-hewn junior high boys who've seen a seedy side of life who were experiencing beauty because there was a lady who took a risk and made a plan and then God took that plan and made it happen. Because that's what God does. He takes our heart desires and turns it into something beautiful. He makes beauty happen. He completes the work. This is a God thing, not something I have to stir up energy and stir up work to do. This is God's work in our midst. The question then becomes, what are your plans for completion? What are your plans for completion? This is the second question I want to challenge us with this morning. Because these yearnings that are within you, these deep desires that, are, uh, that come with from within our hearts are what we need to listen to. In fact, over the last six weeks, we have not presented a six-step program for you to become beautiful. There is no six steps to becoming beautiful. There is no easy-made package. There's no add water and stir process to becoming a beautiful person. Anybody that wants to sell you that is stealing from you. Because how God works beauty in you is different than how God works beauty in me. Because he loves us that much. He wants a relationship with us. Not some book or a tape series that we just go, oh, this is how to become beautiful. And many times, because our world is so pragmatic, because our world just gives us six easy steps to become rich, or seven easy steps to become uh, beautiful, or whatever, uh, physically beautiful, we're so used to having life handed to us in no, these kind of packaging, whenever we do a series like this, we often, we're often looking for, okay, what do I do now? And you're not saying, uh, wrong question. And then we get frustrated. Kind of like, come on, what do I do? And you're saying, no, I'm not going to make this easy for you. And I'm like, oh, come on. 
We have to learn not to look for the easy steps to become beautiful, but to learn to listen to the yearnings that are deep within our hearts. To learn to listen to our heart, because these basic yearnings are what are going to set us on a path of completion. A, a way of interacting with God where we offer ourselves and He takes it and turns it into beauty. What are some of these yearnings? We've talked about these over the last few weeks. We talked about the longing for communion with God. We talked about the, the, the way that we interact with God and how we view God and how we view ourselves. The video we just watched referenced the Lion King. We used the Lion King movie to illustrate how we view ourselves and how we view God. And, and, we, and that kind of view of, our, of God creates this stirring. If we have a, a proper view of God, it creates a stirring to, and a longing for more communion with God and connection for God. You are made to connect to God. You and I are made for communion with Him. And if, as we listen to our yearning and our hunger for Him, God meets us. We're also made for a hunger for significant relationships. You are not meant to live this life in crowded loneliness. God didn't make you that way. He did not make me to live alone. We also have another desire, for a, a, a deep desire for a clear calling. You and I are made to allow God to move through us. He made us in such a way where we have a gift to offer others. Annie Perdue Olson talked about this a couple of weeks ago with us. And she talked about that how we are made beautifully. We're his, his handiwork. And as his handiwork, we have something to offer others. And if we hoard that, if we hold it back, we're shutting down a basic yearning of our heart. The last thing that we talked about, uh, Greg talked about this last weekend, is an urgent need within us to live by faith and not to settle. There is something within each of us that is daring. Everyone in this room has been made to step out in faith. And you might think, wait, not me. That's what people on the stage do, or that's what people who you know, sit in the front do. But you might listen to your heart and say, you know what, I want to worship God and I want to raise my hand. And you think, can I do that? Now, the people down here in front, don't, they, they think that's no big deal. But other people think, I don't sit in the front. Or, you know, I want to get up an hour early and, 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 and try this thing with God. Or I want to get up 15 minutes early and, and maybe see if I can connect with God. It might not work, but I'm going to try it. That takes faith. There is something about us that longs to be daring. Now, you might not be somebody who jumps off a cliff with a, well, you know, I'm not, with one of those parachutes or, or bungee jumps or any of that kind of daring. But God has placed within you a passion to dare and step out with him. And you're made to do that. And it'll look different for each one of us. It'll be risky. God has called you to risk for him. And as you do so, he meets you in that process. Some of you might be looking, thinking about your life and the deep yearning in your life, and you say, you know what, I want to spend more time with my family, but I work too much. And the risk might be going into your boss and saying, I can't do it anymore. I can't work 60 hours a week. Some of you might be looking at this saying, you know, what I need to do is, uh, is we need to 
have a budget and, and spend less money on stuff that we don't need. You think, can we do that? It's a risk. It, it, it's a dare. It's stepping out in faith and going for it. And I encourage you to make plans to go for it because these plans will fit, be unique to each one of us. The plans that God has called you to and the plans that you will make to live in this beautiful life will be, will be different than the plans that I make. Asking ourselves, how am I going to commune with God? Because the way you commune with God will be different than the way I commune with God. The way I connect with God is different than the way you connect with God. Some of you will connect in the morning. Some of you in the evening. Some of you need to just begin just to carve out space and say, I'm going to turn off the television for, just try it for 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a whole hour. You don't have to go be, I'm going to fast and I'm going to, you know, go to live in a monastery for two days. No, I'm just saying, how is God calling you to connect with him? It might happen over lunch. Just begin to make a plan to say, I'm going to connect with God. And how are you going to create space for connecting with other people? How are you going to make room in your life for others? How are you going to serve others? Because some of you might be called to serve in children's church here. Some of you might be called to make some cookies and take to your neighbor who just needs a friend. Each of us has something to offer. Each of us can do something. And these little somethings become beautiful manifestations of God's kingdom. I heard this story of this lady in Washington, D.C., who was in a small group, and they always asked her, what's your calling? She said, I bake cookies. That's what I do. I bake cookies. She was a mom, and, it, and, I, I bake, and, she, and they kept asking her this week after week after week. I, she said, I bake cookies. I bake cookies. And I said, that's good, but I think God's saying something else to you, too. And she says, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't do, I don't take huge risks I don't I, I just bake cookies and it kept asking this and, and, and as she started being challenged by this question she started listening to her heart and as a part of this church and the work they were doing in DC and downtown DC she began working with young kids after school and helped helping tutoring them and serving them as a tutoring. And this man who's telling me the story said he walked through, there's this series of, of basements that are connected by tunnels in D.C. And you go from one room through a tunnel to another room and you see how God has used this lady to create a plethora of afternoon programs for kids who would go home to empty homes and destructive lifestyles. This lady who said, all I do is bake cookies. Now she still bakes cookies probably. But God has expanded her horizon and she has stepped out in faith. What is your faith calling? The risk that God has called you and I to. We can step out and follow God. He's got incredible beauty to manifest through us. These plans of action that God has called us to, we take and we, they rise up within our hearts and we, we sit here and look at them and we go, Okay, I have a plan, God. I see what you're doing in my heart, but what do I do with it? That's the third question. What do we do with our plans? Let's look at 
uh, the third verse uh, of chapter 16, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The word commit here is a Hebrew word that means roll on to. Literally, it means take and roll on to something else. And imagine you have a big rock in your back, uh, backyard, and it's a decorative rock, and you want to move it. And unless you're a big hulk of a person, you probably can't pick it up. And you think, well, this is a good excuse to go to the store and get me a new John Deere tractor and a new John Deere trailer so I can move this rock. And you roll this rock under this trailer, and the trailer does all the work. This is kind of what we're talking about here is we're rolling on to the Lord, our plans. We're saying, Lord, I've got these yearnings within me. I'm going to roll them on to you. It's an image of, uh, some, it could be an image of, of dancing or listening to music. As you listen to the yearnings of your heart, there's a new music that rises up. A new beat, a new sound that rises up. And you, and you say, oh, I'm going to listen to these yearnings, listen to these longings. And we respond to this listening as we make plans for a dance that fits this music. Now, you might be a person that doesn't dance. Or you might just be there, but music does something to us. It makes us want to move, even if you can't move. At least you want to watch somebody who can. But as this music rises up, you don't want to be like the junior high boy who's afraid to get out there and ask somebody to dance. You have to participate in it because the music just keeps coming and keeps coming as you listen to the yearnings within your heart. And you want to get out on the dance floor. And you realize, well, it's kind of awkward. It's new. It may be even uncomfortable. And sometimes people look at you and go, you're not a dancer. Why are you taking, why are you doing this? You, you don't fit. All you can do is bake cookies. That's what, they, put, they put us into these boxes and say, this is your limitation. And, you say, and we say, you don't, you don't get on the dance floor. And you say, no, there's a calling there. Yes, I bake cookies, and yes, I'm going to let God use me in that, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a cookie maker that does something radical for God with these cookies. And you get out on the dance floor, and you try to move, and you try to do something, and ignore all the, the naysayers, and you're saying, okay, I don't know how to do this very well, and then a partner comes up and joins you. Emmett Smith just won Dancing with the Stars. I'm a cowboy fan, so this makes me smile. Sorry for you Viking fans. But about half, a little over halfway through the series, he said publicly, I need help. And he had a partner waiting for him to say that. We have a partner in heaven who by the Holy Spirit who lives here on earth is waiting for us to say, I can't do it, God. I can't change my Irish temper. I'm going to roll that onto you. I have a passion to, to really love my kids in a new way, but I don't know how. I'm going to roll that onto you. I have a passion to connect with you and be intimate with you, God, but I don't know how. I'm going to roll that pressure onto you because when see the dance partner comes up and takes your hand, they assume all the pressure. They assume the pressure that is on you to learn how to dance. And God comes up and says, I want to dance with you. The Old Testament tells us that God dances over us with singing. And he is inviting us into this dance with him. And to draw us up into this 
whirlwind of his love. And he's saying, welcome to the dance. Welcome to the dance. I will show you how to dance with me. And as he does this, he adds to our beauty. He is the one who brings beauty into our life. And as beauty is added to our lives, we add beauty to the kingdom. And then the kingdom adds beauty to this world. There's a song I want us to listen to. And as we listen to this song and read the lyrics, ask the Lord to speak to you through what God is saying in this song.
God is at work in this place. I want to invite you to stand with me. There's a scripture here we're going to read together that Paul wrote toward the ends of his life. And I want you just, let's just all read this scripture together. It's from 1 Timothy 6.12. He says, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Once again, let's read this together. I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We're going to pray together before we leave. And this is a responsive prayer. I'm going to read a, a, a sentence and then I want you to read the part in yellow together. I long for more beauty to manifest in my life. You are the source of this beauty. Draw me into a life of intimacy and communion with you. God of beauty, roll, roll into you. Add beauty to my life. I hunger for significant relationships where I can share life with others. Lead me into covenant connections and join us together by the power of the Spirit. God of beauty, this I roll onto you. Add beauty into my life. I desire to walk in your calling for my life, to put your beauty on display. Open my ears to hear your call and empower me to respond. God of beauty, this I roll onto you. Add beauty to my life. I am built by you to walk in faith. My spirit craves a life of following you no matter what the cost. Grant me more faith so that my life might be described as faithful. God of beauty, this I roll onto you. Add beauty to my life. God of beauty, we invite you into this place that we may follow you in beauty and be beautiful people. Be blessed, God, and bless these people. In Jesus' name, go forth in his beauty. There'll be prayer ministers here at the front. And may God bless you in this week.